The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Jesus is life and meaning and hope. Wherever you are this morning, I pray that you meet him and experience him this morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. If you have the Bible underneath the chairs, it's on page 822. It'll also be on the screen behind me. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This has been the reading of God's word. You be seated. I'm excited this morning. We have a uh, guest preacher. He's a rather somewhat new friend of mine. I met him back in January. He's a, a church planter in uh, Columbia, in the Eau Claire uh, neighborhood of Columbia. And uh, whenever I met him uh, through a mutual friend and he shared his heart, I got super excited about him. I got super excited about what God's doing in Eau Claire. And I'm really excited to have Jay Will come up and share the word with us. And uh, I hope you'll uh, be excited as well. Why don't you give him a, a hearty Doxa welcome? <laughs> well, praise God, praise God. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Uh, like, like Randy said, my name is Jay Will. I'm planting in, in a community called the Eau Claire Community of South Carolina, of Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, the Eau Claire community is roughly about 21,000 residents in one neighborhood. Uh, it is a pretty dark and hard place. I'm gonna move over a little bit, kind of echoing back. Um, so it's a privilege to be up here. Me and my wife have been enjoying your, uh, your literally our third time coming to the beach. So we were out sunbathing, and I came, became a chocolate brother. I came up here white. Um, <laughs> but all jokes aside. Um, before we get started, I do want to say something. I met Mr. Dan this morning. Is, is Mr. Dan in here? Hey, so today is Dan's 51st birthday. Can y'all please give that brother a hand clap? Uh, he was telling me in the hallway uh, last year when Hurricane Matthews hit, him and his, he actually had to spend his birthday in the shelter because the hurricane had hit in his neighborhood. So I'm happy he's here. I'm happy he is uh, hanging out with us today. So glad to have met you, and I'm so glad you have a sunny day to enjoy your birthday. So, like I said, uh, let's get into our text. Randy already read our text this morning. Uh, this is a very familiar passage, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Uh, this is the passage we all know as where Peter made the confession that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But there's a couple things in this passage I think we kind of run through too quickly before we get there. So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to get into our message today called Into the Dark. 
Father, I pray that your words stand strong today. Don't hold it against your people for the frailty of the speaker. But Father, I pray that your spirit reigns, that your word stands for itself, that we see how great of a king you are to come to us when we were still in a dark and broken place. But you have made us children. You have called us out. You have called us yours. Father, I pray that your spirit fills me today. Let me decrease and you increase and you be put on full display. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We lift you up. It's in your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Right here, we find them coming to a region called Caesarea Philippi. Before we even get to the confession that's made, I want us to talk about Caesarea Philippi for a second. So Caesarea Philippi was a very interesting place. It was about 25 miles away from Galilee, found at the base of Mount Harmon. And it was famous because it was known for pagan worship. It was known for worship of this god named Pan, who was a god of fertility. Every year they would have this huge festival to worship this God, where they actually had a removable male member that they held on the statue of Pan, and they were paraded around, and almost 250,000 people would show up to this festival every year to worship this God. And they would do such godless and depraved acts from bestiality, prostitution. It's just the name of few. Imagine Myrtle Beach's Bike Week, Las Vegas, Amsterdam, all in one time. That's what you get at this festival. This is a place that the Jews knew well. We do not go to. It's always been a place called Baal. So the, the Jews knew this place. They, they, they knew this place clearly. This is not where we belong. Yet Jesus is taking them into this area. He takes them there, and he asks a question I believe he still asks and echoes throughout all of history. Who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? In Myrtle Beach, who do people say that Jesus is? In Columbia, where I'm planning, who do people say that Jesus is? I'll give you a little, as we talk about Caesarea Philippi, I want to give you a little back history of my neighborhood. In 2018, um, August of 2018, the the state newspaper wrote an article called Columbia's Most Dangerous Neighborhood. And the two neighborhoods they highlighted the most was one neighborhood called North Point Estate, which is located in this place called the Colonies, another bad neighborhood, but North Point Estate made the news. And the second neighborhood was the Eau Claire community. This neighborhood is known for its gang violence, failing schools, violence, drugs, prostitution. These are the things they're talking about this neighborhood is literally known for. Matter of fact, I was hanging out in the neighborhood in North Point Estates the other day, and I was talking with one of the residents. His name is Gray Eyes, Mr. James, but everybody in the block called him Gray Eyes. And I said, uh, hey, Gray Eyes, uh, what have you seen the church do in this neighborhood? He said, if I could be honest with you, 
The church don't come through here. The city don't come through here unless the police are escorting them. See, Gray Eyes, at that moment, his ideal of the church was a place that's far off that wants nothing to do with us. And I believe Jesus is still answering, asking that question in that neighborhood. Who do these people say that I am? Who do these people say that I am? And I just want to say, even though my neighborhood is bad, in Myrtle Beach, that, na- that question is still valid here. Y'all have a little piece of paradise in some people's eyes, but it's a fake, false paradise that tells them they don't need hope, that they don't need what the church offers. Jesus is asking you also, who do they say that I am? See, my neighborhood, your neighborhood, Caesarea, Philippi, all of these places are considered dark places. And I'm going to show you why I believe Jesus is calling us to go into the dark to declare his name. So let's pick up in verse 13 when he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? I, I can imagine they looked around and was like, you know where we at, right? And you're asking, who do they say you are? But they had a response on them. They said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. The reason they had went to the prophets because the Son of Man was a title that literally meant someone who speaks for a divine person, a man on earth that speaks from a divine person. It was a title that was given in Daniel and in Ezekiel. You will continue to see the word Son of Man, which means even though these people didn't believe who Jesus was, his presence was evident. They knew that some divine, speak, um, divine person is speaking. They knew that something that, like a God was speaking. C.S. Lewis says, we may ignore, but we can never, nowhere evade the presence of God. They knew the presence of God, or at least some, some higher being or some force was speaking. God was making himself known, even there in Caesarea Philippi. God was making him, is making himself known here in Myrtle Beach. God is making himself known in the Eau Claire community. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, it says, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, since what could be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. For the invisible attributes that his eternal power, that, that his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world. Being understood through what he has made, as a result, people are without excuse. So even now, even though they're going into this dark area, that they know pagans worship and they know they want nothing to do with this God, they have no excuse. Who do these people say that I am? But then he turns around. He said, okay, I understand that's what the non-believer believes of me. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Again, another question that is being echoed through all of eternity. Jesus is asking his church, who do you say that I am? Peter, 
who I, I love Peter because he has peppermint socks. He likes to put his foot in his mouth all the time. And, you know, he spoke up. Now, when Jesus asked, who do you say I am? He wasn't asking one person. It was the, it was the plural word, y'all. Who do y'all say I am? But, Jesus, but Peter stepped up and he, as the representative for, the, for, the, for all of the disciples, he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus respond, responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because blood and flesh did not reveal this to you. That he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. That's not something we stumble into. That's not a truth we just uncover. But this is literally God has revealed this to us. God has shown us who he is and revealed to us who his son is. Matthew 11 Verse 27 says, all things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal it. These things have been revealed to us. I have a question. If these things have been revealed to us, are we telling the world who the Son of God is? Are we leaving them with that question who do they think he is? All of them, even non-believers, have an idea of who God is or at least who God isn't. Who Jesus is or who Jesus isn't. But it falls back on us. Are we telling them who the Son of God is? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12 says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with this purpose of his will so that we who already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. Church, this is what we're supposed to do. If our confession is that he is the son of the living God, we're supposed to bring praise to his name. We're supposed to bring the, the loss into this truth. He's been giving us this mission. Matter of fact, I'll go on in our text to show you We've been given this message. He says, and I will say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I want to pause right here because I feel like we have to do some work in this text. It's one of the most complicated texts in this passage because this is a text that's argued three different ways. The Catholic Church believes that Peter is the original pope, he is the first pope, and that the church is built off of him. And he's the one that holds the keys to the kingdom. Now, if we go back a little more, if we go back a little further, Jesus asked all of the disciples, who do y'all say I am? This moment, he's talking to Peter, but he's talking to Peter in the presence of the whole congregation of all the followers. So Peter isn't the Pope. Now, the second view 
is Peter is the foundation of the church. Or his testimony is the foundation of the church, the testimony of the apostles. I lean more towards the testimony of all the apostles is the foundation of the church. The reason why is because his name is actually Petros. Properly, in, in the proper ancient Greek, it used to say a stone, a pebble, a small rock found among the pathway. A small rock. And then he goes on in the next, a, a couple words say that and say, on this rock I should build my church. Now this rock, he was actually referring to the mountain. It was a mass of connected rocks. So he's calling Peter Petros a piece of the rock, a small stone, and then he looks at the mountain and said, the large rock, which is a collection of rocks, I will build my church on this. And this is the first place where he hasn't ever say the word ecclesia, the church, the called out one, the gathered up ones. So if we take all of, all of the things put here, it shows that Peter and the apostles are the foundations, as it says in Ephesians 2, chapter 20, where Paul says, the testimony of the, the prophets and the apostles are the foundation of the truth. Peter in himself wasn't the stone. He wasn't the rock that the church was built on. It was the testimony that all the apostles would stand on. Now, Paul does say he is a pillar to the church, Galatians 2, verse 9. Jesus, I mean, Peter is a, a, a pillar, John is a pillar, and Jesus is the cornerstone holding it all together. So it's never saying that Jesus is, um, Peter is the only one holding the whole church up. It says the testimony that he made at that time of who the Messiah was is the foundation that he would build his church on. Even Peter himself says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, as you come to him, a living stone, speaking of all of his church, all of us, a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as a living stone, a spiritual house, are being built up to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter in himself says, I'm not the foundation of the church. But the testimony of what he's declared at that moment, that this is the living, you are the living God. This is what all of the apostles stood on. That's the foundation of the church. And as the foundation of the church, as the called out ones, as the collection of people coming together, he says, the gates of hell will never prevail against my people, against all of the church. When we come together, we are a wrecking force. We are literally tearing down the gates of hell. He is sending us to go on war paths against the literal gates of hell. And he goes on to say, the gates of hell will not win. We will tear it down. We will break open the gates of hell. We are going into the darkness as his light bearers and breaking the shackles of the enemy, the shackles of what the dark principalities of this world are doing. This is what he's called us to, to literally go and make war against hell itself. 
But he's not telling us to do that in our own strength, in our own might. He goes on to say, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, I'm giving you the power to bind up and to set free. I'm giving you the power to bind up. Clearing of his living word, we literally have been given power to overtake death. We've been given power to call dead people to life. And this isn't the prosperity of Benny Hinn calling the dead people out the tomb. But no, our hearts, we have been given the power to, to speak his word. And hearts are transformed through the preaching, the declaring of his word. Isaiah says that our hearts were a stone. But through the preaching and the declaring of his word, he is making people alive. This is what we've been called to do. To preach a word of life in darkness. To preach a word of life in a dead place. To pray and to declare, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We've been called to set things free. When we pray to heaven, he literally responds on earth. Now, as, as preachers, as pastors, as also his image bearers and the ones who have the word, we've also been called to bind up, which means, if, but we allow the sinner to walk away and go to their own dead. If they, wanna, if they don't want to let go of the thing that's keeping them bound, we let them go. Jesus talks about knocking the feet off your, off your feet, um, knocking the dirt off your feet. Now, this doesn't mean we stop loving people. I don't want to hear, I don't want you to hear, so we don't preach. No, we preach. We continuously preach. We continuously preach. We continuously preach. But it's not on us to save. It's not on us to save. We can let the dead man walk back to his sins. And it's not on us as long as we preach because we have preached the power of God. And if he walks away, then his heart is still bound. This is something that we practice in church discipline. This is why we fence the table. If we know somebody is in sin, we are called to fence the table and say, hey, right now, you're not welcome to the banquet because you haven't repented. You haven't turned away from your sins. This is the power that he's given us, the keys to the very kingdom, to make judgment calls, to judge people righteously, and to call them to life. This is the keys of the kingdom. And my last verse. After all of this, after all that Jesus has said, he says, don't go tell nobody I'm the Messiah. This is like, Jesus just waged war on darkness. He just was like, we're, going, we're tearing down the walls of hell. We're doing all this. Don't want to tell nobody I'm the Messiah. <laughs> but see, this verse right here, the reason he told them at that time is because he hadn't cashed the check yet. He hadn't, made the, he hadn't paid the price yet. Even though he had paid the price before the foundation of the earth, in the physical, he hadn't paid the price yet. He said, I want you to know I am truly who I am. 
So I'm telling you all these things, but don't tell nobody yet until you see it for yourself. Church, we are the ones who have seen it. Jesus came from light into darkness. He has called us to life. He died for our sins. He took the sins of his people on, and he raised back up. So him telling them, don't go tell nobody yet, it's because the price hadn't been paid yet. But now that the price is paid, he's like aloe black. You could tell everybody. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Now go tell everybody. I have paid the price for you. The last thing he tells them in Matthew chapter 28 is something we know so well. Jesus came and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. And this is the sweetest promise. And remember, I'm with you to the end of the age. Now that he has paid the price, now that he has cashed the check, and it has come back as paid, he's with us. He paid the price. And we can go tell everybody about this great Savior. So I leave this with you. This is my last, this is my final thought, my last point. It's called a sticky note. Anybody work in a professional setting, have sticky notes all over your desk? This right here is called a sticky note. I want you to remember this. The church is those who have been called out of darkness and made into light. He sent us to go back and wage war against the darkness. Not in our own strength, he's with us. We are his light bearers. For the individuals, Ephesians 5, verse 8, for you were once darkness, but you are now, but you are light in the Lord. Live as a child of light. And for the church, the collection of individuals, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. You are, no lights, no one lights a lamp and put it under the basket, but put it on a light stand, and it gets the lights for all who are in the house. In the same way, let Father light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That is what we are. We are light bearers. We have been called light, and we have been called to go back in and fight the darkness. Go and declare to Myrtle Beach. Preach to Myrtle Beach, Jesus is the son of the living God. You are dead and you can be made alive. Because I was once dead, and he has made me alive. Let's go to the throne. Father, I pray that your words fell clearly today, that even in my, my stumbles and mistakes, that you still showed yourself as a good king. You have drawn the lost to yourself. You have invited your family to be your light bearers on earth and to declare your truth. I pray that as we move into this time 
of communion, that we remember that we are part of your family. We are children of light. And you have set the table before us to eat with you, the one who gives light. Father, I pray that your word falls clear. It was clear. It was preached boldly. And that you show yourself as merciful and great. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.